for uh, coordinators having a birthday today. Everybody say yay. Yeah. And under normal circumstances, you know, I would ask her to sing, lead us in happy birthday, but that'd be a little odd, wouldn't it? A little self-serving. Also, like to recognize how God has privileged us with so many of you who serve for Christ in the community. You are faithful in the community to represent Christ, uh, and he raises up leaders, and many times out of uh, leaders in our community are right here at First Baptist Church. Uh, the Future 10, for example, South Brunswick Magazine it recognizes the Future 10 young leaders in our community, many of whom are right here at First Baptist Church as God fosters and cultivates uh, the Word of God in you and you become leaders in the community recognized and acknowledged for that. So now and then when that happens, we've got to say at a girl, or in this case, at a boy to Ryan Hill. Well done, Ryan. I appreciate so much uh, all of you who serve in our community, let, and people know you. They know your character. They know your walk with Christ. Last week, we focused briefly on 2023, and I uh, told you today we'd look a little bit at 2024 and what's coming up, and let me go ahead and mention one thing coming up is a message series uh, we're going to start next week called Questions from the Conflict. We'll talk about what's going on in the Middle East. We'll talk about the conflict between uh, Palestinians and Israel. We'll talk about how that started, what the Bible says about that relationship, uh, what the Bible says about the relationship between Christians and Jews, and, and we'll look at that in the next few weeks. Uh, but this morning, we're going to look a little bit more inward. We're going to talk about us as a church in 2024. It's no big secret that our county is growing. We are, again, uh, in the top 10 fastest growing counties in the United States. According to U.S. News and World Report, coming out of 2023, Brunswick County was the seventh of those 10 fastest growing counties in the United States. Uh, according to statistics, the present population of our county is somewhere around 146,900. But in just a year and a half, by the middle of 2025, the estimated population is to be 153,500. Now, now, get this. In our ministry community, our ministry area, Shalot Supply, Ocean Isle, Sunset Beach, our main ministry area, of course, we, we minister outside that as well. By the end of this year, by the end of this year, officials anticipate that about 1,700 new families will relocate to our ministry area. Not, not people, families, about 1,700 new families. Now, how do we respond to that? That's the question we want to ask and answer this morning. How do we respond to the crowds coming? Uh, if you're like me, now and then you find yourself in traffic, and your response is not that great. And we look around at uh, the clearing going on, the developing going on. We can't help but wonder, how are we going to handle the traffic? How's the infrastructure going to work? What's going to happen? How that's going to change our community? In other words, our, our first response is to think about it in terms of ourselves. And that's natural. That's understandable. That's natural. The question is, is that a biblical response? The question is, 
Is that the way God responds to it? Is that the way Jesus would respond to growth in the community, to the crowds coming? It's real easy for us, in other words, real easy for us, and it's a natural response for us to see the crowds as a problem. What we're going to see this morning is that Jesus always, always sees the crowds as an opportunity for ministry, as a mission field right in front of him. So if we're going to think like Jesus and think biblically about the crowds, then that's how we need to think. We need to change our thinking to think biblically about the crowds, not as a problem, but as an opportunity for ministry that God is bringing a mission field to our community. You may not be surprised to find out that the Gospels in the New Testament, the four books that detail the life of Christ, why he came, his crucifixion and resurrection and events in between, those four books uh, frequently speak of the crowds, the crowds following Christ. In fact, so much so that interaction with the crowds becomes commonplace in the life of Christ. Somewhere around 40 times in those four books, Jesus interacts with the crowds as they're called in the Bible. Uh, The crowds actually become something of a character in and of themselves that shape Jesus' interaction with people. As he comes in and out of the crowds, as he interacts with the crowds, engages the crowds, blesses the crowds, preaches to the crowds, heals the crowds, the crowds follow him, and on and on it goes. So seeing how Jesus interacts with the crowds will help us answer the question, how should we respond to the crowds when they come to to Brunswick County? How should First Baptist Church, how should you and I as believers respond to the crowds? If you have your Bible, find with me the Gospel of Mark in chapter 6. The Gospel of Mark in chapter 6. We're going to look at just one of those instances that I'm talking about where Jesus interacts with the crowds, and what we're going to see, and what I want want us to understand, is the Bible reveals a pattern of behavior. It's a very consistent pattern of behavior in every time that Jesus interacts with the crowds. And we're going to look this morning, in just a few minutes, at four stages, four steps, however you want to put it, of the way Jesus responds to the crowds. In other instances in the Bible, we might see pieces of these responses, parts of these responses, But all of these responses are there when Jesus interacts with the crowds. In this particular story we're going to read, we will see all four parts, all four steps or stages of his interaction with the crowd. And we learn from each one something very important of what God expects from us as a church and as believers when the crowd comes. The Gospel of Mark in chapter 6, we're going to start reading at verse 30. The Gospel of Mark in chapter 6. Verse 30. As Mark records the story, he says, uh, now let me pause here just a moment. Pause here just a moment. The apostles are coming off of a mission. That is, they've been out serving Christ and they have returned. So that's where we pick up. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place, but many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. When they went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted and it is already late. Send them away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. Now I want to pause right there so we get clearly the contrast between the, the way Jesus perceives the crowd and the way his followers perceive the crowd. To Jesus, they are sheep without a shepherd. They are a mission field. They are an opportunity for ministry. To his apostles, his disciples, they're a problem. How are we going to feed all these people? It's getting dark. And what do they want to do? Did you get it? They want to send them away. Get the crowds out of here. Verse 37. <clears throat> Jesus responded this way. You give them something to eat. They said to him, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And he asked them, well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he instructed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves. He kept giving them to his disciples to, and to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of, of pieces of bread and fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. They counted the men, not the whole family. So uh, most scholars estimate around 12,000 people were there that day. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain to pray. There is a definite pattern of ministry when Jesus engages the crowd. And that pattern is, should be our pattern as well, our response as well. <clears throat> now, before we get there, I want us to have a uh, some clarity about what we mean by the crowd, what's happening in our area, our community, and what's happening in Jesus' day as well and how that applies. So I want you to look at this with me. Here's a graphic that illustrates uh, what the crowd is. It, it should be on the screen for you. If not, everybody just kind of nod and smile. And... There we go. This is a graphic we use in our membership class to help us understand how people move from the community into the church. And as I'll explain in just a moment, this is common to everyday life. This is common to every community where the people of God are in ministry. So much so, we see it in the ministry of Jesus as well. Uh, first of all, it's five concentric circles. First of all, the outer larger circle is the community. That's the community we reside in. Uh, Shalot, Brunswick County, Ocean Isle, Sunset Beach. We interact as a church in that community. We have members who serve and work in the community. Uh, this is our community, and, and we, we, are, we are a church within the community. It's our larger structure. Then the crowd comes out of that community. That's what we're focusing on in this message this morning. But let's understand who the crowd is. The crowd are the numbers of people who say, I want to check out what's going on at First Baptist Church. Typically a major event, cars and coffee, fall festival, uh, a major program the choir is doing, a children's event. So we have people in the community who when they, when they look for what we're doing, they go, yeah, I want to be a part of the crowd that's checking out First Baptist Church. The point is, out of the community, these are the people that have shown some interest 
in First Baptist Church and in the ministries that are here. Eventually, a lot of those people will move into the congregation. That's where a lot of you are today, a lot of you at home. You're in that next concentric circle of the congregation. That is to say, at some point you said, you know what, when I want to go to church, I'm going to go to First Baptist Church. And that's it. You, you come here, that, when you say, I'm going to church. This is how we distinguish that. You say, I'm going to go to First Baptist Church. And there might even be specific ministries at our church that you get involved in. You become part of the congregation. But that leads me to the next circle. The next circle is the circle of the committed. The committed are the folks out of the congregation who have said, you know what, this is my church. We call it transferring membership or joining by membership Joining by baptism, if you trusted Christ, you received Christ, you joined by baptism, but you've become part of this church family. You identify with this church family. It's no longer just about, I want to be in the congregation, that's where I go to church. Now it's, this is my church. Now what you'll notice about those first four circles is all body, everybody in those circles is moving of their own volition forward in the relationship with Christ and with the church. But then we come to the center circle, the core. The core is different, but the core is made up of the leadership, people growing in Christ, people that instead of, of their own volition coming into that circle, we reach out to them and say, we recognize in you leadership. We recognize you're growing in Christ. We want you to come on board in this ministry, this ministry, this ministry, or that ministry. We want you to participate and grow in leadership or in teaching. Or in another way, at First Baptist Church. How does this compare with the Bible? Jesus Christ and his disciples ministered in the community of Galilee, Judea, Palestine, Jerusalem. The wider area of their ministry was their community. And then as Jesus became popular, people gained interest and the crowds started to gather when he was there. In other words, I want to go there. I want to see what's happening. It may have made no real impact on their lives. They made no particular decision about Christ. But they gathered as a crowd where he was. And then that crowd would start following him. And some in that crowd will become part of the congregation that said, when I want to hear teaching, I'll go to Jesus. When I want to see what God's doing, I'm going to see where Jesus is. They become part of his congregation. Then a large swath of them become disciples, the committed. That's when they say, I'm following Christ. At all cost, I will follow Christ. The core are 12 apostles, which Jesus picked himself. So that same picture, that, that same move of people toward ministry and toward the church is happening all the time. So as our community grows, the crowd grows. Our question is, how do we move people from the crowd to the congregation to the committed and then eventually to the core? Many of you in the congregation may not have even thought about it this way, but there's a large crowd that God is bringing us in Brunswick County. How do we respond to the crowd? We can respond as if it's a problem or we can respond like Jesus does and say this is an opportunity for ministry. It's an opportunity to move people toward Christ and ministry in the church.
So for a a few minutes, I'm going to walk through those four steps with you. I want you to see with me these stages or steps that Jesus undertakes when he responds to the crowds that show up and how he he wants to move those crowds toward deeper commitment and, and ministry with him and to be followers, but still he engages the crowd. And I want to see what we can learn from this this morning. This will impact us greatly in 2024 and 2025. First, the first thing Jesus shows us is to expect the crowd. Expect the crowd. This is not only a a statement of fact, it's a statement of faith. A statement of fact because we have seen growth is happening in our county. We have seen in the Bible crowds coming to Christ. But it's a statement of faith because if we approach it with expectation, we anticipate God working in the crowd through us. You'll notice the story open as the the apostles come back to Jesus. They report on their adventure. How does he respond to that? Go get some rest and eat. Take care of yourselves. Why? Because he knows another crowd's coming. More ministry's coming. And we have to be ready for that. Uh, To expect the crowd is a preparation stage. It's the stage at which we say we always want to be ready. We always want to be Faithful, we always want to be prepared for the crowd. Jesus does that by taking care of his apostles, and he encourages them to believe that God is going to work. He says to them, Don't look at this as a problem, look at these as shepherds, sheep without a shepherd. What can God do if you trust God to work through you to impact the crowd? So first, we, we need to expect the crowd. This is the, one of the great failures of churches, always has been. But in particular, in, in a growing area, in a growing environment, not to expect the crowd to come is a failure of faith, and it ignores the facts. The first thing we must do is arise with anticipation and expectation that God wants to reach the crowd and use us to minister to the crowd. The crowd is coming. And then to trust him for what he's doing. Now remember, he sent the apostles off to to rest and to be fed. There's a parallel to that faith and that fact. Uh, For you and me spiritually, we must be fed. If we're going to rise to the occasion to reach the crowd in our community, and you and I personally are going to rise to the occasion to be ready to talk to people that God brings our way, we have to be spiritually fed. Now, throughout this morning, I want to give you a couple of examples of things I'm talking about and opportunities you have for this. And the most obvious to be spiritually fed and prepared in faith is D4 groups, the gospel project, Sunday school, small group Bible studies, one-on-one discipleship, your personal Bible study, grow in faith, grow in the Word of God, let God feed you so you will be prepared to participate in faith with expectation when God brings the crowd. And what about that faith, that expectation? Participate in the Who's Your One. The Who's Your One wall in our uh, education wing is where you take a piece of paper, you tack it to the wall, it could have the name of someone, the initial of someone that you are praying for and you want other people to pray for. You could have one one or more than one one, but you put those names on the wall. And when we pass by there, we pray for them. When Sunday school classes are in session, pray for the ones on the wall. And what you're praying for 
is an opportunity for God to give you a gospel conversation. Invite them to church. Share the gospel with them. Pray with them. Let God show you an open door into the life of your one. That's expectation in faith. That's believing that God wants to use you in the life of your one. So the first stage is to expect the crowd. Therefore, it's the preparation stage. It's believing the crowd is coming. We need to be ready. I need to be ready. The second stage is to accommodate the crowd. If we expect the crowd to come, we need to accommodate the crowd. Jesus always accommodated the crowd. Luke chapter 5, he's walking down the beach, he's preaching to people, the crowds are growing. Instead of sending the crowd away, he gets in Simon Peter's boat, pushes off a little ways from the shore, and uses it as a pulpit to finish his sermon so everyone could hear. Very similar in this story and many stories in the scriptures. What he does is he provides an area, a space large enough to accommodate the crowds that want to come and hear him. The apostles' response is, send them home. His response is, let them come. And let's make sure we're in a space large enough to make that happen. For a church, like ours, to accommodate the crowd means space and ministry. It means ministry because we've always got to be thinking about people in our community and how we could serve them and minister to them. Uh, We've got to be praying and thinking about what comes next. What we have implemented, Bags of Hope, so many other ministries to minister to the community. Who's your one again? I mentioned that. I've been asked frequently about a weekday education program in our church. Can we do that? We need to be praying about that. We need to pray about ministry, staffing, all kinds. We need to expect and anticipate. The crowds will come and we will get ready for that. And of course, space question we are asked frequently all the time. You'll recall in 2019, our strategy 2019, prior to COVID, we had planned a renovation of our building. Because of COVID, that renovation dropped by the wayside. It's never gone away, still under discussion. Uh, We need to reignite that conversation. Not only for renovation, but we need to look at the whole big picture. What does God want us to do? If we anticipate the crowds coming, to accommodate the crowds, what does God want us to do? In 2024, by the end of 2024, I want us to have an answer to that. I want us to have an answer to that. What we're, what we're doing, going to do, or maybe not going to do, but we need to answer the question. So first, Jesus expects the crowd and teaches his disciples to do so. Secondly, he always accommodates The crowd. He never sends the crowd away because there's too many of them. He always accommodates the crowd in some way. Let them keep coming, but get ready for them to come. Then third, Jesus always serves the crowd. He serves the crowd. Uh, You've got the preparation stage. Accommodating the crowd is like the planning stage. Serving the crowd is the provision stage. It's the stage in which we say we need to do what a church does to serve and minister to the people that God brings to us. Uh, You'll notice that that in, in this story, as in nearly all of the Bible, Jesus teaches before he feeds with physical food. He teaches them spiritually 
before he feeds them with physical food. Both are necessary, both are essential. But understand, as a church, our priority is always teaching the Bible, preaching the gospel, bringing people to faith in Christ. It's acknowledging our number one problem is always a spiritual problem before it's anything else. But then also, we should care for the people God brings to us. Provide ministries as best we can to care for their needs in whatever ways that we can. Follow the pattern of Christ, serving people and ministering to people, to the crowds he brings us. Now, it's not hard to see that that can be quite demanding. It takes a lot of wisdom. It takes a lot of insight. It takes a biblical application of what really helps people and what it means to help people. But always and foremost, we teach the gospel. We teach the scripture. And we seek to feed those that God brings our way. So we serve them as best we can. Now, now the fourth stage may, is going to sound a little bit surprising. Okay, so, so bear with me. Fourth, Jesus leaves the crowd. Yeah. Did you notice that at the end of the story? He tells his disciples to go across the lake. And then the Bible says... He dismisses the crowd. He says goodbye. And off he goes to pray. Now don't misunderstand this to mean he abandons the crowd. Oh no, he does it because he knows the crowd's coming back. That's why he does it. He does it frequently in scripture. He sends the crowd on their way. And they have a tendency to follow him. Word gets out. Somebody sees him. There he is, the other side of the lake. We'll all go over there. Now, two things are happening in that last piece of the story when we say leave the crowd. One thing we mean by this is, is what Jesus would do is once the people have encountered Christ, they have to make a decision. He doesn't permit them to keep flowing along as spectators, to, to just engaging him out of sensationalism or excitement. He doesn't permit them to think that every time they show up, all he's going to do is give them bread and fish. He wants to raise them to a, a higher level. He wants that crowd to get into the congregation and the congregation to become committed. And to do that, people sometimes need to be left alone. They need time to digest. And then you see who's going to come back. Then you see whose heart is open to God working in their heart. Who's going to join him on the other side of the lake? Who stays put in the crowd? Or who comes out of the crowd and occasionally in the scriptures refuses to leave him? Sometimes the church in our ministry have to say, okay folks, Let's pause for a minute. We've told you the truth. We've told you about Jesus. We've ministered to you. Digest that. Let God work in your heart. But the second reason he does that is to go off by himself and to pray. Actually, this starts the story over again. The first part of it, he told the disciples, rest, be fed. Here, it's himself, but it's the spiritual part of it. Go off and pray. Even Jesus, 
would get weary. Even Jesus would get exhausted. Even Jesus sometimes, as the Bible puts it, would need to come apart from the crowd and spend time alone with the Heavenly Father. If you and I are to be effective individuals in ministry to the crowd, if we're to keep the right mindset in ministry to the crowd, sometimes we've got to pull back and spend time with the Father. You see, I would venture to guess if you're in this room today or at home, and, and you kind of, let's, let's be honest, you've got kind of an attitude about the crowd. You're not all that wild about it. You missed a parking spot you were planning for. You were a little bit late to work because of the crowd. You couldn't get the best picnic table at the park because of the crowd. I don't know. Maybe the crowd is not the problem. Maybe you need to have a conversation with the Father. But I will tell you this, as I know it, it works for me. If you want your heart changed about the crowd, pray for the crowd. When I'm behind somebody in traffic, pray for the crowd. And what happens is you start seeing the crowd the way God does. Do you ever notice that? In fact, when you pray for anybody, maybe it's a sibling in Christ you're having a tiff with. Maybe it's a family member that's broke your heart. You can get many examples, but when you start to pray for them, you start to get the Father's heart about them. But also, as with Jesus, we pray for restoration. That, this is the restoration step of the four steps. And, and to minister to the crowd effectively, we have to pause and pray and spend time individually with the Father, spend time together with the Father, spend time in small groups with the Father, be restored, be ignited, be empowered again before the crowd comes back. Because they will. Because this is a mission field. Not something to be annoyed about. It's something to be excited about. God is bringing people. Your neighbors God bless them. God is bringing people. Houses being built. Land developed. Those are people. And we've got the gospel. And we've got opportunities. So pray for them. Minister to the crowd. Pray, God, pray that God will give us the resources, the provision to minister to the crowd. Pray that God will give us the wisdom and the guidance to know how to accommodate the crowd. Pray that God will show you your next step in ministry, your next stage of faith in growing in Christ. Ask God, who's your one? Ask God to show you where in the crowd you can best minister. And watch what he does. This morning, I'm going to pray for us, then we're going to have a time of opportunity to respond. And Before we do that, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. The first one is, do you need to pray that the Father will change your heart for the crowd that he's bringing? Do you need to pray that the Father will change your heart for ministry and for people? Do you need to pray that God will use you in the life of a one that needs Christ? Do you need this morning to say, God, forgive me. I've been looking at all of these people as a problem. 
not as an opportunity for ministry. You need to ask God to change your heart. The second question is, where are you in those circles of commitment? It could be this morning you realize that you're part of the crowd. You just happened this morning to be in the congregation. It could be, more likely, that you've been in the congregation for a while and you realize that God has been moving in your heart to become committed. Committed. Now, first and foremost, that means if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, your commitment is to Jesus Christ himself, the one that God sent to die on the cross for you and whom God raised from the grave so you could have eternal life. You don't join the, the church first. Your commitment is first to Christ. So if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, and you know that today, put all your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. While we're singing, while we're praying, put all your faith and trust in Christ. Ask His forgiveness for sin. Let Him cleanse you and give you eternal life today. Maybe you are a believer in Christ and you know it. So maybe that next step of commitment is to join fellowship with First Baptist Church. To move from the congregation to the committed. To say yes. Uh, not just say I go to First Baptist Church, but say this is my church. This is where God wants me to serve. Heavenly Father, we pause in the moment, God, so thankful, so grateful that you never gave up on us, God. Everybody in here, everybody at home, at one time or another, was a face in the crowd. People yearning to know more about Christ. People yearning to come to Christ. Everybody in here and at home was at one time in desperate need of salvation. And if we have called out to you, cried out to you in faith, you have saved us from our sins. Father, if there's one in this room or at home that hasn't done that, May they cry out to Christ today to be saved and we plead and pray for their salvation. And for believers in this room and also watching from home, show us, God. Show us. If there's any attitude in our lives, God, forgive us for that. Cleanse us of that. Make us useful for the gospel to reach the crowds in our community today. And Father, if there's that step of faith we need to take, maybe it's to be baptized, maybe it's to join fellowship at First Baptist Church, Maybe it's to come to the altar and pray for our family, for our one, for our community. Whatever it is, God, help us, Father, to move forward in our faith and in our commitment today. And may all that we do honor Christ. And it's in his precious name we pray.